lot of great friends on here. I hope you're doing great. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. Um, I got a lot of really good questions to get to, so we're going to kind of get cranking here. So um, welcome, y'all. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors today, uh, Mules and More Magazine. Corey Daniels over there at Mules and More uh, does a really good job. If you guys aren't currently subscribed to Mules and More Magazine, you ought to be. And they now have a digital format, too. You can get it all digitally, which is kind of neat, like for us, um, you know, being on the road and stuff. It's kind of neat. So, but I still like the phys the physical magazine. I like I like having the pages to turn. So, okay. So, if you want more information on Mules and More magazine, go to mulesandmore.com. So, well, we just got back from our clinics in Arizona. We finished up our last one in Sedona. That was really fun. One of our favorite places, I'd say. Yep. Yep. Um, we just finished our clinic debrief for it too. We just uh, recorded that yesterday and sent it out with your newsletter, so you should have got the link to the debrief in your newsletter, and or hopefully you're subscribed to the podcast, so you're getting them, uh, you're getting the notifications. So, Sky got to ride in Sedona. I did, it was so fun. It was a good time. <laughs> it was great. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast a little bit, about mm -hmm. the differences there in the um, semi-private clinics versus the public clinics. And it was just really fun. We had a small group that everyone could kind of get to know each other and kind of watch each other work on different things. And so it was yep. great to see uh, kind of the camaraderie of everybody. Yeah. Um, like specifically, I remember when Daniel, um, just that last day, I think he was, I think he was just trotting the circle mm -hmm. of cones, you know, and... And it looked so perfect, and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, because it's just a five-year-old yeah. mule that he's, you know, been working on, and uh, they're both kind of green. And it was, like, the nicest looking. I mean, it just looked great. And as soon as he, you know, finished up, all all five of the others just started clapping. Yep. <laughs> like, that yep. was so good. And, you know, he's just trotting a circle. Yep. But for him, that was a lot of progress, you know, so it's just really fun. A lot of fun. While we were down there, too, we filmed a couple of really good videos um lisa Taka, our host down there she's got a mule named katie that had some saddling issues and so i worked with that and katie also um i used her and basically went up the checklist so you guys can see me working through the checklist on a mule um up to that mule's level that is and the same thing she had another mule named ruby that we did so we got a couple of videos both of those are about what they're about 40 45 minutes long and a lot of really good information. I was Sky had me mic'd up so I could talk while I was working. It was pretty good. So yeah. if you guys haven't saw those on the video library, check those out. We had to take advantage of that backdrop there. Oh yeah, <laughs> for some so. good videos. Okay, I got a lot of really good questions. I got a pile of them, so I'm gonna try to get to these today and and see what I can do. So I'm gonna start with uh, Tamara King from Washington. Tamara, if you're on here, say hello. Oh, actually, she said she's not a doesn't get on Facebook, but she listens on the podcast. Um, so Tamara's going to be listening to this later. So uh, She says, do you have any suggestions on how I might help Java, uh, that's her seven-year-old greenbroke mule, who appears to be weak in the hindquarters, find his coordination at the canter? Um, so she went on in her email. It was a little long, so I didn't want to read it all here. But basically, the mule is cross-firing or cross-cantering. Um, that means... The mule might be loping on the left lead, for example, 
um, with the front end and in the hindquarters loping on the right lead. Um, it feels really, really wacky. Uh, wonky, as wonky. Lisa would say. Right? <laughs> so it, it, it feels terrible. Um, but she's actually doing this on the ground she's talking about. But uh, And she's right on the money because she said that the mule appears to be weak in the hindquarters. Um, typically, when you have a mule that is cross-cantering, and, and this, this is going to be a subject for some of you that are a little further along in your mulemanship and getting to this point. But, um, you know, when, when you've got something that's cross-cantering or cross-firing, um, that tells you they are weak in the hindquarters. They're pulling with the front end, so they're doing okay there, but they're pulling too much with the front end, or rather more so than with the hind end. They're not putting enough push into the hindquarters. So it is, she, she kind of... She answered her own her own question really about uh, the weak hindquarters. You know, you get those hindquarters stronger, um, and how how can you do that? You know, well, work on rolling the hindquarters for one. You know, when you're engaging those hindquarters, stepping that inside hind over and in front of the outside uh, hind. You know, that's really gonna build those hindquarters and get them stronger. Um, you know, she could trot over some poles and that's going to get some strength in the hindquarters as well. Um, anytime you can find a little, a small incline to back up, you know, back the mule up the hill and that's going to pull those hinds and really engage them. They're going to have to use the hindquarters to back up a hill. So pretty much any exercise like that, Tamara, that you can think of, and there's, there's probably a lot more backing circles is another great one. When you back circles, they really have to pull with the hindquarter to make those circles or backing quarter circles half circles um all those types of things uh, even just backing a little l that's going to build the hinds but there's a lot of moves but that's just it and in the moment when they are cross firing um you know it, it it might seem counterproductive because that was part of her question too she says i'm not sure when to quit because it seems like you have to back off to restart and she's concerned that it's rewarding the mule to do that. And don't worry about a reward or punishment. Just try to set them up correctly. So if it's a little tricky, and it's actually easier on the ground than it is to fill it. But, uh, you know, watching them trot on the correct lead. So make sure they're trotting. And she did mention that the mule goes into this for... Uh, the mule may even start on the correct lead and then switches over, which is really odd. Because um, usually if they're on the true lead... Um, they're okay, you know. Um, the only other thing that I found that might help the cross-firing is, and this doesn't help you on the ground, this isn't going to help you on the ground because you can't really do it on the ground, so you're going to need to ride this, Tamara, but to lope lines, so canter some lines instead of circles, instead of always having that mule on a band, just pick up, pick up a, a left lead or a right lead, whatever, it doesn't really matter, let the mule pick up its own, really, and lope some lines, without leaning because sometimes they get leaning and they feel a little off balance and so they want to change and correct themselves in the circles. Um, in my opinion, we will, we lope way too many circles. Circles are our best friend for a colt starter and for greener meals and we, we do a lot of circles but um, folks, I think we lope way too many circles and work on loping some of these lines. So anyways, Tamara, I hope that helps you have a well, suggestion. Yeah, here. I was just going to say another video that we recorded um, while we were in Sedona was My Meal Cupcake. She has some trouble at the lope. Oh yeah, I forgot she'll, about that video. She'll do it, but she is 
uncomfortable. <laughs> I haven't put that video on, have I? I don't know. Nope, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Nope, I don't have that video yet. It's in so, editing. Yeah. We've got to get that done. So, so um, anyway, but we had this exact same conversation. This was like my my things to work on the whole last week. So. Yep. So we'll have that video up. Thanks for reminding me. I got, I have like, so on that video library, we now have about 180 videos on there. I have that many more on my phone that I need to edit, that, uh, that I need to go through and put on there. I got a lot of work to do, so. That's a good question, Tamara. I hope those suggestions help you. And the next question is from Connie Price. Connie's on here watching. Uh, glad to have you on here, Connie. Um, you know what? All the suggestions that I just give Tamara are going to apply to you and Waldo in a way, too, because you got some of this counter, this cross countering or this cross firing going on, too, with Waldo um, after I read your question here. So Connie says, Waldo, that's her mule, Waldo and I are still working on cantering. We actually cantered three complete circles in our round pen today on the left lead, which I'm so excited about. But when going to the right, he would rather go into it from the walk than the trot. Is that okay to let him do that at our stage? I'm going to answer this question first. Um, yes, yes. Uh, but I would work, Connie, on getting dialed in at that trot a little bit better. I want, I want you to shift up and down through a slow, medium, and a fast trot. Shift up, shift down through there. Um, because if the mule's just wanting to jump into it from the lope, they're kind of missing those middle pieces. So, um, Which at some point, you're going to ask for that. I'd like them to be able to go from a a walk to a lope or or the uh, stop to the to the lope you know um, whatever you want it to be because you asked yeah. for it not because they have trouble trotting yep it needs to be because of you Connie so you know work on those transitions be very particular um, and adjust how much you ask so all right I just asked and he went into the lope how much did you do uh, observe that okay and then next time, try again and do less so that you can go through those transitions. Um, but this is, so there's more here. Um, I would think that it would be harder to take, uh, so she thinks it'd be harder to to go into it from the walk than the trot. And and that's actually not true, Connie. Um, Chrome, as far as, Chrome does the same as thing. As far as, you know, and it's, if I, if I believe, Connie, if you're watching, if you could comment, I believe that Waldo's, is a gated mule, isn't he? Isn't he out of something walker? I'm not sure. So Chrome, we have a mule here that's a Tennessee walker, and, and she she likes to go right from the walk into it, um, into that lope too. So, um, you know, that's kind of common in those gated breeds because they have a whole bunch of other gears. It's really neat. Like, <laughs> you know, most, okay, if we got a quarter horse mule, we got a slow, medium, fast walk, slow, medium, fast trot, slow, medium, fast lope. Them gated mules, um, You've got a whole bunch of transitions at the walk. It's pretty neat. Um, and a whole bunch of transitions at the trot, too. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things you can do with them. But it needs to be because of you. So there's more here. Um, also, he can only stay in the right lead for four or five strides. Then he, he kicks up behind, and it feels like he is trotting behind and still cantering in the front. So this is, this is kind of the stuff I was talking about earlier. Uh, Connie, I think he's cross-firing back there probably when it feels like that. Um, they're usually loping on the wrong lead in the back, so you might be feeling some of that there. Um, he also may feel funny. Just talk about Cupcake, your mule. Cupcake, 
almost does the same thing where she's almost in a trot in her hindquarters. She takes like these itty bitty yeah. steps that... And they're very small. And it, it almost feels like a two-beat gait, like a trot. Um, and if that's the case, you know, uh, don't try to hold this right lead because it seems like this is going to be hard for him. So get this right lead for two or three strides and then leave him alone. If he's breaking at four or five strides, just get two or three, back off, leave him alone, and try to build some want to there. And then, uh, and then it's just a matter of pushing it a little bit more, maybe working on that medium lope, trying to get a little bit more going on, um, a little more life. So anyways, Connie, let me know if you have any other details on that that you want me to address here. Uh, but that's a good question, Connie. A lot of good, we got some, we're getting some, a little bit more advanced questions and I, I appreciate that because it's, it's nice to have something a little different here. Um, Tracy Folly from Pennsylvania. Uh, she it says Connie's watching, so maybe she didn't get on until just now. Okay. Uh, we just answered your question, though, in case you missed it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Tracy Folly from Pennsylvania. She was on here earlier, too. Uh, she wrote in and she said, I've made a lot of mistakes with Rocky due to my own fear and lost confidence. Um, she had a bad wreck on a horse before. Okay. Um, I'm working hard to overcome these things. Her question is, do our mules forgive our mistakes and how can we encourage them to do so? So this is uh, one of my favorite topics, Tracy, to talk about because, um, you know, they are very forgiving, contrary to a lot of myth out there. There's a lot of myth out there that, you know, people say mules hold mules grudge. Mules won't forget. They'll never forget. There's a lot of st stupid stuff and and just uh it's just an uneducated person that's all it is the people that say that they just don't know but you know they're actually not capable of holding these grudges that we that we learn about you know as we study these the psychology uh, of the mule and the makeup of their brain they don't hold grudges but they do learn so say okay if you go out there sky every day and you go smack cupcake on the head every day. You'd never do it that. Sounds like me. <laughs> sounds just like Sky. No, but she goes out there and every day she smacks her on the head. Well, what's Cupcake gonna do? She's gonna protect herself. She's she's not gonna do all that. They're they're creatures of habit and pattern. And so if you've confirmed yourself to be that regularly, she's she's gonna go away. Now is she holding a grudge, or is she just being instinctual? Like if every time that wild horse goes to that water hole. A mountain lion pounces on them. Do you think they're going to approach that water hole pretty carefully? You bet, because they they can they learn. So so they do learn, but and this can be mistaken with grudge holding and lack of forgiveness. Okay, um, but but they can forgive. You know they they care how you feel. They're they're really um, creatures of comfort. So how do you make them feel right now is what matters the most. And the second part of your question, because the first part is answered, I just said, yes, they absolutely forgive you. Oh, even though they're, it's not really forgiveness. They just don't hold, they, they don't, don't, they don't, they don't hold they don't have it against that, you in the first place. Yeah, they don't have that capacity, you know. I watch people I, in the I, clinics and their meals forgive them minute all after the time. minute. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's awesome. Yep, uh, you know, if any of you guys want to read a good book, you ought to read Evidence-Based Horsemanship uh, by Martin Black and Stephen Peters. Um, 
Dr. Stephen Peters. He's he's a he's a amazing man, very smart, pretty handy with a horse brain, um, and you can learn a lot from that book. I'm not going to go into detail on that here because we'd fill up a whole podcast doing that. I'd love to have him as a guest one of these days, um, but you know, they're not going to hold a grudge. They're not going to forgive you because they didn't hold it against you in the first place. But they do learn. Do you make them feel comfort or do you cause them discomfort? It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that, okay? So as you're, as you're working, Tracy, to answer the second part of your question, how can we encourage them to forgive us or basically to feel comfortable with us? You know, do things that cause comfort. Um, that doesn't mean you just, uh, you know, read them books and give them cookies all day. You have to get them into a little state of mind where they're interested in looking for comfort. Um, and we, we go into detail in this at the clinics, right? We talk about how you need just a little, just the right amount of stress and anxiety. Not too much. You do too much and then you know about that. <laughs> what happens? Too much for me is like this much. You blow up. Um, or break down more likely for you. <laughs> uh, you know, you have to have just a little bit of stress. It's kind of like a muscle. You know, you got to kind of work that muscle just a little bit, and little microscopic tears in your muscle will build over time. Um, so you got to have a little anxiety, and then you back off, and then you give them this relief. Um, we we talk about pressure and release, but a better you know a, a better word. And this is one I learned this from Martin Black is pressure and relief, and it takes pressure for relief to be effective, and it takes relief for pressure. To be effective, so you need the a nice balance. So Tracy, as you're working, you know the short story. Go through the checklist. Start working on that stuff. Ask them questions. Let them find the answer. Give them give them the reward, Tracy, and that's all you got to do. Next thing you know, life will be pretty good. It's been proven hundreds yeah. and hundreds of times, thousands of times for us. Now we've got a few, a couple thousand of these under our belt now. Well, I think back to some like times or mules where I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have known that then because yep. that poor mule, <laughs> or you know, oh, I think yeah. about stuff like that. Even just, I can't remember just the other day I was thinking about something like that. I'm like, oh man, I wish I knew that then. And that, you know. There's a lot of mules we've messed up on. Yeah, well, you know, that mule didn't hold anything against me. He didn't know any better, but. And humans take things so personal. Yeah. Like we have way too much way too much of a uh too much emotion into it rather than comfort and discomfort we have these we have feelings and so um you know i think it's important that you separate that when you're working with the mules um don't don't think that they have the same emotions as us um, focus on that comfort and discomfort good question tracy i appreciate you writing in and asking that so the next question we got um comes from Jermaine Lowe, uh, and she says, the other day on Mule Tip Tuesday, you were talking about a mule you were riding, and you said something like she dropped her head and shook her head and uh, was feeling good. Was this a good thing or a warning? My mule drops her head off and on in, in the trot and occasionally shakes her head in a trot. Uh, we are working in, on trotting on course on loose rain. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I keep hearing that if a mule shakes its head, it's an objection or warning. Is this just a myth? So, you know, Jermaine, uh, if they kind of shake their head, you know, when you're trotting, it's, it's usually, you know, in my experience, it's usually a little indication of some kind of either mental discomfort 
or physical discomfort. Uh, physical, it could be saddle fit. This could be something as simple as, as your saddle uh, riding too far forward. Um, or me with cupcake tight. trying to get her to move and she yeah. might shake because she's like, ah. Yeah, and that's the mental protest I'm yeah. talking about. She has a hard, you know, like cupcake when she shakes her head when you're trying to get her to lope, for example. It's, it's more of a mental protest, uh, a behavior protest because she just would rather go 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 lay down and visit with you like she's <laughs> like a little she just wants to hang out lazy. like um, a dog yeah so it, it could be anything from the mental side to the to the physical side you know you can rule out the physical really quick okay does this hurt is my saddle set right is my saddle fit good am i riding correctly sometimes just how you guys are sitting the trot might affect this if you're sitting and you're just bouncing off their back it could cause them a little discomfort right um if you're if you're too far forward, I mean, how you sit in the saddle makes a big difference here. So this is kind of hard for me to answer, Jermaine. It without depends on what else is yeah. going on. So I, I'm kind of all over on this because I, I need to see this what's going on here. Um, some mules um, like going downhill will shake their head, um, and that's usually a sign of the saddle maybe coming up too much. And um, or other times they just don't know how to balance. A mule out of balance will shake its head, you know. So if they don't know how to carry themselves. On, on all four feet uh, balance that causes them some discomfort physically as well and they'll shake their head you know Riata had the hardest time with that too just carrying herself she's such a big self to carry but <laughs> and, and she has kind of she's gangly well she has poor confirmation and so she she is yeah she doesn't balance well and and so she would do that if you guys watch uh, Watch Colt starting the next step on the video library, and you can see Riata doing this very thing. Yeah. Sandy um, says she calls it noodling. Call it noodling. <laughs> yeah. Noodling's a good a Noodling. Good. So, Jermaine, you know, I would work, you know, check the check the physical pain, right? Make sure, saddle set. Check on yourself. Am I sitting correctly? Then start checking on the mental stuff. Okay, is it is it the willingness? Um, now, just lowering their head in the trot is not bad. In fact, when they just lower their head in the trot, because that's part of our question here, just lowering the head is a good thing. That's them carrying their body efficiently. Now, I don't want their head dragging on the ground, Jermaine, but just kind of a little lower. So the, the picture of the pole, slightly lower than the wither, that's okay. That's all right. If they're dragging their head, um, you know, it could be all the, all the above, you know. Sometimes they have alignment issues. I mean, there, there's lots going on here, Jermaine, but... Anyways, hopefully that gives you a few things so to think about. maybe mention in your context what what was a good thing, like what was happening or at that moment, or when they put their head down and kind of shook that that was a good thing. What was going on that made that a good thing? Well, shaking their head is not good, but lowering their head is okay. So maybe I'm trotting on a course on a loose rein, and I'm not pulling on the mule, and we're, we're, we're moving freely, I feel a, you know, at the trot, a nice two-beat gait, one, two, one, two, and they're moving free. Um, you know, I would probably take a look at the other expressions. Is their tail swishing? Uh, is there, is there, uh, are their ears kind of back? Do they feel tight? Because um, if they feel tight, then that's, it's going to be a negative context. Um, but if it's loose and they're not swishing their tail, their ears are okay, but they're just kind of lowering their head, that's, that's good. That They're carrying themselves efficiently. They're using their their energy and they're using their body efficiently in that move and that's great so there's a little bit more going on there Jermaine than I can answer exactly on here but I appreciate that question for sure uh, next question we got comes from Curtis Creason 
Curtis wrote in, he emailed in and says, my question, uh, in doing the clearing the front and centered circles, his mule wants to spin as if it's scared uh, to face him and, and brace. And then he pulls away, uh, gets high-headed and bug-eyed. Um, so he's asking me, what is he telling me in doing this? That's the first question there. So what he's telling you is he's not comfortable, Curtis. He's not, he's not uh, content. He's not happy with this. He's, and, you know, some of these mules find, they can find discomfort in just being asked a question. That's, you know, there's a, there's a mental side of this. There's a physical side to this. And, you know, when you're trying to do some of this groundwork, Curtis, and the mule is, is doing these things, it's obvious that the mule's not comfortable. And so um, he, he's kind of asking, he went on in his email a, a few other things and basically what to do. You know, in that situation, Curtis, I'm going to break it down and ask that mule smaller, more understandable questions. So instead of clearing the front and going into the centered circle, I might just clear the front, take a step, and stop. Clear the front, take a step, and stop. Um, and as we're doing circles, I might just, you know, do a few of them and then let them stop. So I'm asking, I'm asking uh, smaller questions, and I'm giving bigger rewards, letting them soak, letting them kind of come together that's you know and if they're trying to bolt from you because he says he wants to pull away from me at times you know they're we're pushing too much for that we're, we're not letting them come down we're not letting them relax they're not feeling comfortable with us so try to make it a little bit more comforting to to hang out with you and like i said ask smaller questions give bigger rewards that's the main thing there you got anything to add to that he was just dealing uh, with this stuff with the dally. Just, yeah, I was just gonna say dally's a good example of that. You gotta really read what she can, how much pressure she can take. Like I even asked Ty at the clinic. I said sometimes just me looking at her, like watching mm -hmm. her feet, is too much pressure because she's uh, she's up yep. here, and I'm like, what do you look at? When you like that? Yeah, some mules are super sensitive like that, you know. And I, I like them. I like them to be sensitive. That they're gonna be good riding. Like she's that. really in tune because of yes. it, you know. But, and aware, I guess. But, you know, you got to handle yourself, too. When you work a mule like that, you got to be quiet. So the way he's describing this mule here, I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure I get myself right mentally before I go out and work work this. You know, uh, your, your ride. so flat oh, and yeah. neutral. You know, your ride, your work here, it starts way before you put that halter on or before you swing a leg over. It starts, you know, how, how your day's going. I mean, that makes a big difference, especially... On a mule like this, it sounds really, really uh, uh, sensitive um, and really doesn't understand. So simple questions, Curtis. Simple questions, big rewards. Okay, last question of today. Um, Mark Eagle, Eaglehoff. Um, I probably just got that wrong. Uh, anyways, Mark, how you doing? Um, he says, hey, Ty, I have another situation. He had emailed me before about some other things going on. Um with the young mule. She's a year old now. Um, she usually leads up good, but now she's, she knows that I go to the round pen and she hesitates because she knows she's going to have to work. Any suggestions on how to get her to lead up better? So, Mark, you know, on them, on them yearlings, uh, you gotta keep your, you gotta keep your sessions really short, really sweet, very productive, in, in short times, you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to go that round pen and, and be working for hours. So this this mule has associated the round pen, and he's right on. He, this mule has associated the round pen with work rather than a release. 
So focus on whenever you guys are working with your horses, your mules, your donkeys, am I a source of comfort? Am I a source of relief? Or am I a source of pressure, anxiety, pain, etc.? Um, be comfortable. You want your mule to be comfortable with you. And, you know, so how, how does he, how's he going to get this in the round pen? How's he going to get this baby? Well, you might just take this little youngster. It's just a yearling. The, the session might be just leading. And, and so say, say she doesn't want to lead up to the round pen, okay? Well, then you have all your groundwork stuff that you can do. Do your groundwork on the way to the round pen. When you get in the round pen, just relax and just scratch your tail and just pet her. And Didn't we do that with Dally at one point? And I just went in there yep. and just brushed her. Yep. Made it kind of a happy place. Yeah. She enjoys that, so it depends on if they enjoy that. But it needs to be good to be there. So, you know, this is this is often, this is what happens with round pens and arenas. And this is why I recommend you guys get out of the round pen and get out of the arena as soon as you can and get to working out. Go out in the pasture and work. Go out on the trail and work. Um, but um, sometimes we make those areas just about schooling and not about mulemanship and not about horsemanship. It becomes a place of physical work. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's go, go to the round pen and we're going to work. And it's just hard for them. There's no mulemanship going on. Mulemanship, horsemanship, that's you guys going together, being together, not you working on them. Uh, or sometimes them working on you. <laughs> Most uh, times. You're supposed to be together here on this stuff. So, Mark, try to make it easy. Um, use your imagination. It's okay to experiment. It's okay to search. But, uh, you know, one example, like I already give you, uh, do a little groundwork on the way to the round pen because, like he says, the mule can't lead there. So, you know, go through the one, you know, the, my three suggestions of leading, right? Number one, you might put a little tension on that lead rope and wait for them to take a step. When they do, you release. And it's one step at a time. Yep, one step at a time, release. One step at a time, release. I'm only going to do that for a few seconds if they got a lot of pull on me. Like, I'm not going to sit there and drag that mule. I'm not going to do it. I got other tools. The next tool, number two, would be to take the mule off center. So basically, go off to the right 45 degrees or off to the left 45 degrees and get them to take a step with, with a foot kind of out to the side like a reaching deal and reward that. That might be the second thing I do. Um, and the third thing I'll do is just all the groundwork. I'll, I'll clear the front, roll the hinds, roll the front. I can do moving half circles all the way there. You can do it um, just right there anything. in the pen. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything. Anything. So, um, but it needs to be comfortable to be with you, um, not just, uh, you know, I don't like them associating a round pen or an arena or me or a horse trailer or a trailhead with, with something bad or negative. I want it to be good. So. Anyways, that's kind of a good lesson for all of us is to make it comfortable to be with you, okay? Those are some good questions today, huh? Yeah. Okay. Hey, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if it's oh, not... I wanted to add oh, one more thing. Um, I saw, uh, I think it was Shannon Agard commented on here about now that we're talking about leading and stuff because she has her yearling. Mm -hmm. And we have a few videos on there with the weanlings teaching yep. to lead on the video library. So you guys go check it out. Oh. Like yep, there's lots of good good little videos on there. A bunch of them. We got a whole bunch more in editing on working with weanlings and yearlings. So if you got questions there, and we'll hopefully those will help you. So hey, if it's not too much to ask, if it won't take too much of your time, I would be very grateful if you guys would leave us a five star rating 
and leave us a review. Let us know how you like these podcasts and these uh, Meal Tip Tuesdays and, and everything else we got going. We'd love to hear from you. So be sure to tell your friends and hit the share button if you enjoyed today's session. So, hey, thank you guys. God bless you. And we'll see you next week, all right? Take care.